Be'ezes Hashem Yisbarech. We will continue what we are learning. In the Holy Letters of the Balatanya, letter number 12. But the she is in the schools to the Fuhr Shalema for Hinda Basta Berachel. What we are learning this letter from the Balatanya, letter number 12, which is that the act of charity means peace and the inner dimension, the obsession with compassion and charity unleashes a never-ending and everlasting present tranquility. We are going deep into the difference between act and obsession. And we are explaining that when one thinks that you're doing a superficial act and therefore you're almost like you're asleep therefore one would think that being asleep being unconscious like we are throughout most of the day we are not awake we do not we are not in tune with what's going on around us. We don't have absolute clarity. Life is not vivid. Life is not the only thing that's in front of my eyes. We are either trapped in lethargia, tiredness, laziness, different forms of sleep, irritation, Irritation with the present moment. Hoping something better is coming. Trapped. In a moment of time in the past. And so a person is not fully aware. And then he goes. And he's praying in the morning. Or he or she is going to a supermarket. They see a poor man outside. They have a moment of compassion and they pull out a $100 bill, $200, and they give it to the poor person, hardly thinking about what they are doing. And you would think that activity, even if you do the activity of compassion one time a day, you would think that that is a mere activity. Explains the Holy Balatanya over here that even the Maisat's docker, even if you're asleep, even if you're unaware of what you're doing, the actual activity alone brings in a tremendous peace into the world. You have to go deep into understanding. What is this peace? And why am I looking for it? 
Like we started to touch on in the past, why doesn't the person have peace? Person is going for therapy for years, trying to understand what it is that bothers him. And over here we see the enormity of the Balatanya, of the holy Balatanya. People want to understand what's the difference between psychology and chassidus. You know, there was a time that I would finish a book a day, or every two days, a book on psychology. Because I was so fascinated with the idea that the Balatanya anticipated every form of psychology. People ask me, what is the difference between Hasidic philosophy and psychology, mental health? All forms of mental health, people go for years and they get a degree in areas of mental health and they specialize in ACT and CBT. And I looked at these books, I would read one or two books a day and I would be able to summarize the whole book in five minutes. And it was fascinating to see where, how the Balatanya already anticipated this all. So you have a book that you read, and it's a most beautiful, eloquently written book. You have a book that you read, and you could sum up the whole entire book in five minutes, in one minute, just to say what the point of the book is. And over here, we are learning a letter from the Balatanya. It's two and a half pages long. And we're learning it already more than a hundred children. And we haven't even yet scratched the surface. You understand the difference between Hasidic philosophy? We look at this letter and we think it's a very small letter. But when you start to span the thousands of pages of Hasidic philosophy, and you see the enormity of what the Balatanya saw, Psychology becomes a joke, not to knock psychology, not to knock people. Mental health is extremely necessary. But to understand the enormity of what the Balatanya says over here in this letter. If you want to be true to this letter, you have to see the magnificence of every sentence that he says over here. We could take two words and translate them. Or we could take the two or three or four words that he talks about and we could see the enormity, not just the enormity of the explanation, but how much he himself explained on these concepts. The Holy Balatanya, he says two, three words over here. And how many times he repeats it in his 2,000 discourses in the Kutu Torah and Torah Or. And all the holy Hasidic masters that came out of the, after the Balatanya. How much contribution, how much deep, profound insight did they give into these words? And we think they are just words on a paper, a, two pages and a half. 
I met somebody recently and he tells me so many shiurim on one letter. And it's extremely important to discuss this because a whole book on psychology is written on one little concept. And the Balatanya anticipated this concept in one line in Lukuti Torah. Not only he anticipated it, he brings you back to its source. He shows you where it is in the purpose of creation. So in truth, we are not even yet doing justice to this holy letter. Because how much more is there to say that we are not even saying? And even if we would have the complete panoramic vision, which we would take all the shiurim together, we are still not seeing in entirety what the Holy Balatanya saw. And to understand the enormity of this, because the Balatanya was deputized by the Mezutra Magen and the Balshemtiv to usher in the Messianic era, which in that time we will all have prophecy, we will all see the depth of everything that's going on in this world, we will see God's creative power creating the world something from nothing all the time. But the goal of life is now, to be able to see that now. This is an enormous task, an enormous opportunity. And over here, we're going into this idea that the act of charity is peace. And we are saying that the act is the mere activity. And a person thinks that My activity is a superficial thing. I'm thinking about my business. I'm thinking about something else. I'm thinking about my anxieties. And I hand the poor man a hundred dollars. And how did that just bring peace into this world? And how did that bring peace to me? And what peace was I looking for? What does this even mean? It seems so boring. Like we said yesterday, it seems so boring. You know, the natural personality is to get when you see a poor man come to you. The ego, the personality that almost everyone has. Some people have more refined egos, so they're not in touch with it. But the animal that's inside you wants to preserve, wants to hold on, wants to receive for yourself. So there's a scorn, there's a certain type of looking down at the poor person, that you are better than him. You're not asking at that moment why. It's instinctive. Just like the animal kingdom, they roam around and the animal just wants to conquer and kill and destroy and just take over. Not thinking, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? So too, when we have our emotions, if our emotions run loose, if our hearts, our lust run loose, our animal inside us run loose, our personality run loose, we just think we're better than the other person. This is not a criticism of me or you. We are just like that. And if you're not, you would just give it a more refined 
animal or you already refined, you sacrificed, you channeled your animal. But most people were given an animal and an animal is basic instinct. It just wants to run loose and conquer and get bigger. Never asking, why am I better than you? And that animal has a scorn when it sees another person because doesn't want to share what it has. So, the act of charity alone from a perspective of the animal, if I'm already feeling frustrated with life, if I'm already feeling, if I'm, my mind is in my business, if I have anxiety, then how much more so is it so boring, it's scornful to have to deal with a poor man. So then I give him the $100 and I just can't wait for him to leave me. So you put salt on your wound. You're already bored. You're already in a state of frustration. You already feel you don't have money. You already feel something's not good with this moment right now. And then the poor man puts salt on your wound. And then you give him the $200 and you brought peace into the world. You have to understand the enormity of, of what he's saying over here. Does that sound like peace? Says the Holy Balatanya in this letter. He explains it in depth in Pasha's Chukas in Lukute Torah. He says nothing could be further from the truth. A person living in this world is not aware of the miracle of life. The miracle of a life unfolds only at this moment right now. And this moment right now, everything that's dead in the universe comes to life. That's being anything that's in the vegetable kingdom, the animal kingdom, and the human kingdom. The mineral kingdom stays put. But life, when we say life, life means animation. Life means movement. Life means the refreshing experience of this moment right now. That there's a heart pumping. There's lungs breathing. There's eyes blinking. There's nose pulling ear deep inside into your body. And breathing it out and oxygenating your blood. And your blood's pumping. And every moment, your whole entire being is moving up and down. Breathing in and out. Which is the marriage of death and life. The marriage of old and new. What you had a moment ago was life. And that life turned into death. What you had a moment ago was brand new. And then it becomes old. To make room for the new. Which means the gift of life is to be in a space of newness all the time. Which means that God is stopping the creation of the world every second to renew it, every moment. He renews the creation of the world. And the miracle of life, which seems perpetual, it seems never-ending, it seems constant. The miracle of life is birth every single moment. In fact, in this world, the only thing you ever experience is birth. 
If you're not experiencing birth at this moment, you're not alive. If you are alive right now, it's this moment right now. Never ending moment, but it's this moment right now that you are alive. Everything else is a figment of the imagination. This idea of a past and a future is an imaginary tale that you tell yourself. Because your life only unfolds at this moment right now. Because in this moment right now, God blows a vitality into you, a life force that's into you that animates all of the systems in your body. Brings life to your brain. Brings life to your nose. It brings life to your heart. It brings life to every single organ. And every system in your body operates through, in and out. Pulse. Heartbeat. Breathing. Blinking. Thinking, everything is in and out. The stopping of it and the renewing of it. The birth of it. Every moment, which means that it's brand new every moment. And the Holy Balatanya says the Ikra Voida, the main job in life. This, it doesn't say anywhere in psychology. It's too meditate on the perpetuality of creation, meaning to say that creation is happening every moment new. The newness of the moment is because you're being created something from nothing at this moment. And as we said yesterday, a person would give up everything in his life just to experience this moment right now. So explains the Holy Balatanya. That there are two moments in life. The moment that just passed and the new moment that you have now. The moment that passed is no more getting vitality from God. The moment that you have right now is God creating you brand new. So the moment of the past is the old. Even if you did a mitzvah. The previous moment, even if you did something kind, even if you had a great pleasure, physical pleasure, you can't get full from that steak you ate a moment ago. You can't get full from the sunset you saw a moment ago. You can't get full from the good deed that you did a moment ago because the ability of life is to constantly be able to do new, to act new, to create anew. And this is an enormous idea. So when we look at the past, the past will always invoke a frustration. Because the past is dead. The past is old. New is brand new. It's the opportunity for something entirely new. Most of our anxiety comes because we're trapped in the past. And what traps us into the past most is the triggering moments of my spouse, of my child, the triggering moments of my childhood, the moments that want to hold me, that want to stifle me, that amplify the past. You see, the good in the past is something I still want to recreate. I want to do it now. It's something I'm holding on to because it's giving me life now. It outlives me. We're always invested in things that outlive us, our children, our good deeds that we do, things that will outlive us, meaning to say that they're beyond time, they're never ending and they're everlasting. We are trying to, whatever we do, we want, we're not even thinking. We're building a company, we're investing in our children. We're doing things, we're not even thinking about them consciously. But a real, a real man, meaning a real creator, a real creative person wants to create things that will outlive him, that will live on its own, that will move on its own. 
So explains the Holy Balatanya in this letter that all our frustration in life comes from receiving and all of joy, true joy in life, Kim, is received from giving to be a partner in creation. What's happening to me right now? God is creating me brand new. He's giving me kindness, brand new. He's my creator. That is the greatest kindness that you could possibly do. That's the greatest fulfillment that could possibly be in the world. So me, I have two choices now, either to be a spectator, either to be a receiver, or I can be a giver. If I will be a receiver, at the end of the day, I'll be frustrated. And all the physical pleasures in the world, they're all about going to the highest face of receiving. But all the spiritual pleasures in the world are all about mimicking and partnering with my creator. And the only true fulfillment a person gets, the only real true fulfillment, the true fulfillment, not the fake fulfillment, is from giving, from creating. Even in the most physical pleasures, if you will ultimately see they're scratching the surface of giving. Any area of pleasure that you have in your life, if you will see the underlying undertone of that life force is that you want to give and actually not receive. Even if it's caught up with receiving. Because to be a receiver means not to be the creator. But to be a giver means to be the creator. And they've taken the most richest people in the world and they've asked them, now that you have all the money in the world, why do you have frustration in your life? And they say, when we go into the sunsets, when we go into our yachts, when we go into places where we're receiving, we feel like nighttime. We feel we have to rejuvenate afterwards. And then afterwards, daytime for us means to give my money, philanthropy. So even the greatest people in the world that have received the highest form of success, when they're actually enjoying their money, they're not enjoying it at all. It gives them a tremendous void, a tremendous hunger, a tremendous uselessness of life. They say, now I have everything, now what? And then they tap into their giving ability. It says the Holy Balatanya, my shalom, even if you're not aware, even if you're asleep while you're giving, even if you're frustrated, you're alive then. That will outlive you. You're changing the world. You're becoming a partner with Abishur. When you say Vayachulu on Shabbos, it will have meaning because you are a partner with God. You are changing this person's destiny. In fact, this person was only given a negative destiny so you can come and change it. You could be aware or you could be asleep. But even if you're consciously asleep and you change him, you give him $200, you give him $2,000, and you're frustrated. But you have engaged in the act of creation, which is the most fulfilling act, which is the most living act, which is the most, it has the most greatest life force because it will outlive you. This kindness is perpetual. It is true vitality. It is to bring life into the world, which is the only thing that matters. And at this moment right now, you're alive, and alive is the fundamental pleasure of all the pleasures because there's a life force that's coming deep within to you. And that is the greatest pleasure in the world. And when you do that for someone else, you are partnering with the God. You are bringing this person's poor. He's empty. He's old. He's frustrated. And you give him $200. You give him, you have the ability to give him a life force, to bring life deep into him. And his part of his frustration is that he can't be like you. He can't be a creator. And if you give him the ultimate mephiso, if you comfort him and make him know that he's giving you much more than you're giving him, then he's also giving you by being, by allowing you to be the creator of the world, he's also being the creator. And in the messianic era, we will see the truth of these words, but then it will be too late. 
Because we will live with what we accomplished today. We will live with the creation that we did. Just like God rested on the seventh day, we will rest on the seventh day. And we will see what bed we made. We will sleep in the bed we made. We will see with reality what we did when we were able to be the creators of the world. How terrible it is to be asleep. And how amazing and vivid and how life-giving it is to be awake. And even if you're asleep, but if you're in the act, in the act of creation, and then the Shabbos Vayinafash, the Messianic era, comes in for a thousand years, we will live with all of our energy. My 70, 80 years. How much compassion, how much creative force, how much life, how much of the time was I really alive? Was I the creator of the world? I will live with all the stories, all the moments in my life that you think now are insignificant. In the Messianic era, they come back. In the Messianic era, we see with reality what we did. Just like the moments of life that have become the story of the Torah. In the Messianic era, will be Shemayim Chadasha Eretz Chadasha. There will be a Torah Chadasha. We will live with all of what we did. 2,000 years in Gullahs, but your own life, you will live with your own story where you tap into your creative power now, where you mimic your creator, where you're partnering with the divine. Where every Shabbos, we get a tiny bit of this. Whoever engages in the act of creation, which means to be compassionate. How blessed and how satisfied is a person who could tap into this now, who could tap into the holy Balatanya secrets of creation, of real fulfillment, to drop all of psychology, all of therapy in a minute, to understand you're never going to be fulfilled if you're in a state of receiving, receiving from your job, receiving from everybody. But if you're in a state of giving, you'll have the greatest fulfillment in the world. Doesn't matter what you have. Doesn't matter what business you're in. Because to mimic your creator means to be fulfilled, means to touch real life. But to be in a state of receiving is to be in a state of begging, in frustrating, to be in the old, in the past. But now we make our stand. And that's what he says. You'll be at peace if you tap in, even in the activity of tzedakah, because then you're the creator of the world. How much more so if it becomes your obsession? You'll be able to tap in now into the messianic area. You'll be able to live with your future now. You'll be a never-ending, everlasting experience because you're tapping into the energy now, which is the creative energy. God's creating you and you're creating someone else. And now it is when we choose life, when we make out stand, choose life above pleasure, choose giving above receiving, choose to partner with God. It's the greatest gift in the world. And it's only now that we make our stand. So we could go on sleeping, or we could wake up fully to our purpose. And that is something that's magical. It's never ending and everlasting.